Hi, this is Sarah. We just wanted to take a minute at the top of the episode to thank Worcester Arts Council for making our 2021 season possible. We also want to welcome Adriana Keith, who is our guest this week. She is a Central Mass purpose-driven life coach. At the end of the episode, I'm going to share my column that'll appear in this week's Worcester Magazine and Telegram and Gazette about our interview with Adriana that sort of just sums up 10 of her major points, her major takeaways about decluttering your house and your life in 2022. We're going to start doing this more regularly where either Molly or myself will share a little something that we've created independently. Molly's contributions we lovingly refer to as Molly at the Moon Tower, and I'll be sharing some of the pieces that I write for the local media. Have a wonderful week. I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. I'll give you the short version because it could be long. So um, I grew up in Leicester, but I live in Uxbridge right now. Um, Molly, I'm assuming you're local in Worcester too. So Sarah and I both live in Worcester um, and I teach in Auburn. Sarah works in Worcester. Okay, gotcha. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, very. It's weird to talk to people so close that know the area I'm in. I'm not used to that with the Zoom thing. Everyone's far away. Um, but I am a purpose-driven life and manifestation coach. And basically, I help women go from, wait, do we swear on this podcast? No. Yeah, that's right? no. <laughs> I, don't, I won't. I definitely did last week. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll make it PG then. What the hell am I doing with my life to I love my life? Um, and that stemmed out of, I, I've gone through, I guess what you call a quarter life crisis. And that was when I was a realtor and I was pregnant with my second daughter. Um, miserable, miserable, absolutely miserable. And I was realizing that there had to be more to this. Like I was just burnt out, exhausted. I wasn't enjoying the time with my daughter. We weren't going to the beach. We weren't, I mean, I was working all the time and I felt like I couldn't complain because, you know, from the outside looking in, I have it all. I've got the family, the job, the income, everything but something just felt so misplaced. And so after a couple of years of working with different coaches and figuring out my own stuff, you know, starting businesses, ending businesses, working through all that, I eventually realized, well, my coach helped me realize what it was that lit me up, like lit my soul on fire. And that was helping other women get through something like that too. Um, I was noticing that people were always reaching out to me and asking me, how do you do it all? You can see air quotes right now, it all. And how, how did you figure out what you wanted to do? And all those questions. And so I was like, well, this is clearly needed. So this is what I'm now doing. And I, I do one-to-one coaching with clients. Um, and I also have a podcast and I have an online course as well. But I went to college for veterinary. So completely different. So I'm one of those that you know went to college and I felt like I was supposed to use that degree because I paid for it but it didn't bring in any money. There was so much debt. Um, And sometimes your passion isn't your purpose. And for me, that my passion for animals, I have a million of them now. I've got like a whole zoo here. So that's my passion. My purpose is a little different. Right. It just didn't translate to what you thought it would, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah. I am writing a book about education right now. And the chapter I'm working on, I've been reading all this research about 
a sense of purpose and how important it is to find a sense of purpose and cultivate a sense of purpose in everything that you're doing. And for our kids, that leads to long-term memory. So I think the best teachers are able to move a lot of stuff from the working memory to the long-term memory, you know, and if you can connect it to a sense of purpose, that's the easiest path to the long-term memory. So it sounds like you were able to make a lasting change because you found that sense of purpose. That's pretty cool about the memory piece. I didn't know that. I do. I've learned that having a sense of purpose increases your life longevity and um, it reduces your risk of depression and everything. But I didn't know that about memory. That's pretty cool. So you wrote a book as well, right? I didn't, but I would like to. You didn't? I thought, sorry, (laughs) you're decluttering. I thought that you had written something. No, that is a lot of my online course. That's something that oh, that must be what that I my audience has pulled out of me. Um, that it's just kind of something that I naturally did, and people wanted to hear more of it. So I'm like, okay, I'll make a course about that. <laughs> well, I noticed too, like where you talked about having a sense of purpose and how that can make people have um, longer life expectancy and so forth. You kind of bring that to the forefront a little bit when you talk about the decluttering and how having a less cluttered space can lead you to just more like a more fulfilling and less stressful life, even though you don't realize that that could be causing that. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. How do we start feeling like we have more time and energy because our areas are less cluttered? I think the important piece to that is understanding that that's scientifically proven it's research shows that your that clutter, physical clutter in your space, in your home, wherever you are, has a negative impact on your health. Uh, you have higher risks of depression, anxiety, burnout, um, specifically in women and mothers. So that's a really important thing to look at when you're talking about anything decluttering, because a lot of people will jump right into it with like the hashtag new year, new me, and they'll jump on that trend of decluttering, but they might fall off because they don't really understand what it's doing for them if they keep going. Yeah, um, I think people find it to be more aesthetic than actually like utilitarian in a different way, I guess, right? Yeah, into the closet. <laughs> so it looks nice when <laughs> Molly comes over or whatever, but then as soon as she leaves, I open that closet door and there's just a flood of yep. stuff. <laughs> well, and that's the other piece of it. If you get rid of all that, extra all the all the unnecessary things you don't have to be doing that when people just pop by you know you don't have to run around to clean up when people are stopping by or anything like that um but if you've ever like if you look at your desk space or your office and if it's like really cluttered and there's just papers and stuff everywhere do you know that feeling of like this doesn't feel like a productive space but then you clean it off and you're like oh I feel like I can breathe like that is exactly what it is And now imagine living in that day in and day out. And you don't know that that's why you feel so claustrophobic. It's like you're sitting in it. Yeah. Yeah. And you look around and you're like, I can't get myself out right now. I can't do this right now. So then it's like a cycle of like, then you look at it again and you're like, I really need to deal with this. But then you feel like like, you can't do it right now. I'm literally living that right now. I'm so excited about this. I know. So <laughs> the, we want the starter pack. Yeah. <laughs> My husband is really good at throwing things away and he's very organized and he loves to declutter. And then he'll like walk into, I have a little like office and he's like, oh my God, you know, it's a very creative space, Sarah, but <laughs> right. yeah, start us off. What are the first steps? 
Well, so I think the, the first step is to actually figure out how you want to feel in a space. So sit, when you walk into your home at the end of the day, if you're lucky and you get to leave the house for work nowadays and you come back home, how do you feel when you walk in your house? Is it like you feel overwhelmed? Is it like you see something you're automatically like, oh my God, I have to go do that or I have to do the dishes or that has to get put away. Do you feel kind of resentful maybe? Maybe if there's kids stuff everywhere, your husband left his stupid boxers on the ground again, you're like, really? The hamper is five feet away. Mm-hmm. So it's the little things like that that you have to pay attention to. And then now envision what you want to feel like when you walk into your house, what you want to feel like when you go into your bathroom. Do you want it to feel like a little bit of a retreat um, and just everything's clean and refreshing and it makes you feel clean and refreshing and understanding how you want to feel. It's kind of like, you know, everybody talks about your why statements. It's kind of like that. Because if you're just cleaning up and, and throwing stuff out just to throw stuff out and say you did it, it's not, I mean, this, this is like a lifestyle. It's not a one and done. So you have to really know why you're doing it. And you have to remind your body and your brain why you're doing it. Your brain actually, fun fact, doesn't, when you think happy thoughts, like looking back on an old memory, maybe that is like, like your first kiss or something and you get butterflies in your stomach. Your brain doesn't know whether or not that's actually happening now or it happened before. So you feel that in the moment and it holds on to that feeling. So it's really important to understand what you want to feel like. And then um, do you guys want me to get into like the basics of how to actually physically start doing it? Yeah, because that's it. It's so overwhelming (laughs) to start, you know? Right. Yeah. You're like, it's like quicksand. You're like in it and you're like, I just can't get out of this. The 90s action film when I cannot get out of the quicksand (laughs) that is an emergency for some reason everywhere um but right it really does it feels like that um and I think that's the biggest barrier at least for me in my like my irrational brain right like I have my rational brain and my irrational brain and my rational brain is like you can pick it apart you can do it piece by piece and then my other brain is like no you simply must live like this this is you simply must live like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes Well, I could tell you exactly what not to do when you first start. Don't, unless you're someone who can dedicate an entire like day and knows that you start and finish a task and you don't leave it, do not go into a room, dump everything into the middle and be like, yes, it's game time because you're going to get a few minutes in and you're going to pick up a sentimental something from your grandmother and you're going to start crying and not want to throw it away. And then you're going to be like, I can't do this and leave the room. So simple ways to start. One making sure that you actually like put this, set this time into your day. Like if you don't set time aside, it's not going to happen. Um, Like I put my workouts on my calendar every day that I have a workout and I put exactly what I'm doing, exactly what time, because if I don't, it's going to get pushed to the back burner. Life's going to get in the way. It's not going to happen. So having that time set to know that that's what you're prioritizing then is super important. It doesn't have to be a full hour. If you don't have kids, absolutely. If you've got the time, dedicate as much time as you can each day or each week. If you are a busy mom of three, like myself, like you only have a few spare minutes every day, but those five to 10 minutes can be really game changers. They add up. So you could start just by like going into your bathroom and maybe on day one, you clear out an entire drawer 
And then on day two, you do another drawer. On day three, you do under the sink. On day four, you do in the shower. Because I know some people have like a million and one products in their shower and they use three of them. So going through every place like that. And then when that room is complete, you can move on to another room. So it doesn't have to be everything in that room at once. You can just take baby steps like that. And then reward yourself. Because if you don't celebrate your little wins along the way, you're not going to be as amped up to keep going. But you will feel lighter. You'll feel like when you go to do your makeup the next time and you open your vanity and it's just like perfectly organized with like only what you need. It's just, it feels good. And it'll keep your momentum going. I use that trick. And I know I've told Sarah this before, anytime I make like a to-do list of any kind, I always put things that are like extremely achievable on it because it keeps the momentum going. It could be like, Mm -hmm. like feed yourself dinner. Like that can be one of the things, (laughs) but if I have other stuff to do, you know, like something simple like that, where it's like, I know it's going to get done, but it, I think it does. It like tricks your brain into being like, yeah, I checked something off. It's the, it's like, you've Mm -hmm. checked something off, you know? I do try to look at it that way. It is. It's so hard. I'm like looking around. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, Likewise, I hung up a calendar when I was working on this big writing project and set deadlines and put them in big, bold letters so that not only I could see it, but anyone that walked into my house could be like, oh, looks like you're working on chapter seven this week. And I'd be like, yes, I am writing <laughs> chapter seven. <laughs> it's Holding yourself accountable. That's really good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think the idea too of like, rewarding yourself yourself brings that too because for me I have a hard time holding myself accountable in a way that like I would be held by others right like I always say like I don't like to exercise or whatever but if I had like a class to go to and a time to be there right that's a little different whereas like if I'm at home it's going to be so much harder and so being like oh if you know I if you do this or if I declutter this area or finish this one thing that I can I don't know you know whatever like I think that can be very, very helpful. Accountability is a really, uh, it's, it's big for a reason. And that's actually a big part of my course that I have is there's a community where you can find an accountability buddy because I mean, we're all busy, man. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you have going on. We, everything, everyone gets sidetracked. Everyone forgets to do things some days. And so it's really important to have that friend there, that little nudge to be like, Hey, did you do this today? And you could be like, nope, totally dropped the ball on that one. But at least, you know, it's it's just that connection that keeps you going. It's like yeah. a sponsor at AA. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously well, when- a more serious situation, but well, consumerism is an addiction too. I mean, not as serious. I understand that, but yeah. It's I know what you mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was the first room in your house that really gave you that aha feeling where you were able to declutter and it sort of opened the door for you to make this lifestyle change playroom the kids playroom because I went through a winter um where I was struggling with a pretty rough I I think it was depression at the time and it was hard for me to accept because I'm a life coach and so I'm like how can I be going through depression when I am working with these other women, showing them how to be lit up and find fulfillment. So that was really hard. And I had to understand what I needed to do. And it was, it was a COVID winter. So there was a lot of, we were all at home, we were buying things to keep us busy, you know, and I was like, well, what are the biggest time sucks of my day? 
And it was the playroom. It was like, it took like 20 minutes every time we cleaned up the playroom because there was just so much stuff. And it wasn't even all stuff that my kids were using. It was stuff that they were taking out to use other things that were like underneath them or whatever. And so that was one night I just was like, I need to, I need to get rid of this. I just need to get rid of this so I can have some of my time back in my day. And I did it. Um, I actually did do almost all of it in one seating because I was very much like, I'm throwing everything away. And it made me feel so much better. My kids didn't even notice. Well, my, my youngest was like really young at the time, but my older daughter didn't even notice. To this day, she still has no idea I did that. But now I do it like seasonally and she does it with me. So we work together to like bring them to the donation center and she understands about children who aren't able to have the things that she has. And so I do it with them so that they can, they can kind of grow up understanding the same clutter-free living as well. But yeah, then it just translated into every other aspect of my house. My husband says I went on a rampage and I did, um, but it's great now. He's doing it too. He did the junk drawer and he put all these little compartment organizers in it and it looks perfect. And I'm just like, I love you so much. Great. <laughs> like turning a hab- turning that like habit into the lifestyle. I think that's definitely something like if like that, a, that a child, at least one of them will carry that with them. I got three. So there's one in like, three. <laughs> like one of them is going to then be an adult and just be like every room all the time, which is great. Right. I guess one of my big questions would be like, and I guess I know how it happens in my head. I'm like, I understand how this all happened, like how clutter, you know, appears, but like, can it be avoided? Or do you think that there are some people who just like already like, you know, like I know, like, this is who I am, right. It's part of like, not not that it's unchangeable, but like part of something that I have always carried with me is just like stuff, too much, too many clothes, too many, whatever, right? Is there a way for, to, for it to be like avoided, do you think? Or is it something that like you just turn into a person who's kind of cluttered or not cluttered? <laughs> like, I think you well, have I to suppose get it like right? I mean, I, yeah, I'm glad you called out that yourself on the, well, I don't, that I don't have to be this way. Um, because I was going to say, well, that's a very fixed mindset and you can change that mindset. So if you're, if you grow up with a family that is very clutter filled, it's probably inevitable, inevitable that you're going to grow up like the same way, but it's not to say that you can't change it. Just like you were saying, you can absolutely change it. You, you can only be stuck in a, a way that you say you are because you say you are. Like if you say, I am a cluttered person, well, you're going to continue to be a cluttered person. But if you say, I don't have to be a cluttered person and I can start living this way, then you absolutely can start living that way. And little pieces that you can take with you to figure out the like how to maintain that lifestyle would be like, if you have kids, changing the gift giving expectation. Um, like we always ask for experiences like movie theater tickets or museum passes, or one year we had everyone pitched in for a swing set like things like that. Um, People are still going to buy your kids the the stupid teddy bear, but it is what it is. McDonald's toys, they play with them that day. And then I toss them after because they don't care about them after day one. It's like a cheap little McDonald's toy. Um, The influx of stuff is going to be constant when you have kids. So you really have to be like on your, on your game with that stuff. 
um, like artwork or paperwork, anything that comes into the house, you can scan it to your computer. You can make them a file and then throw away the actual rest. So your, your fridge isn't like a hot mess that you're constantly looking for a wedding invitation on. Um, every time you're out shopping, Oh, Marshall's TJ Maxx. I, every time I'm like, I don't need a cart. I don't need a cart. Five minutes in, I want to get myself a cart. <laughs> every There's time. There's so many candles. It's, I love <laughs> candles. Oh my candles God. Candles are my thing. I had to yes. get my candle cabinet recently. Yeah, it's yeah, bad. Candles and mugs. I'm like, but don't yeah. Want. Yeah. So you know what you have to do now is you have to be like, is this serving me? Is this useful to me? Um, so like with candles, I had to start being like, well, I already have similar scents. No, it's not exactly the same, but I can get this one later when those ones run out. Um, and it's important to pay attention to like, is this me right now? Or is this the me I want to be like getting a Peloton and, you know, trying to invest in all these bicycle shorts when you should really just get one and make sure that you like doing it or something like that. I mean, who, who are you right now? versus who you want to be and sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow but I mean that that's your life you have to pay attention to your needs right now not who you aspire to be because then you're just gonna look at that pair of cycling shorts and you're gonna feel bad about yourself because you're not there yet so it's not worth the buy so I guess just asking yourself questions when you're wanting to buy things or going to TJ Maxx I like awful yeah but I like that you're making a distinction between feeling like guilty and overwhelmed and sort of like bad about yourself versus just like accepting things about yourself and being okay with it. And I think that's really important because I think people don't tend to like, if they feel ashamed or if they feel guilty in that way, then they don't want to change. It will make them feel more anxious or more depressed. Right. And I think it's the idea that like, I like that we're saying, yes, like just know that that's who you are and then think about, okay, like, is it who I need to be? tomorrow, maybe not, but like in a little while. And so not feeling just like muddled in shame or guilt, just being like, yeah, like that's something that is true about me. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's a difference between starting a new workout regimen and knowing you're going to do it versus, oh, this would be nice for me to do maybe like next month or like, you know, next year. (laughs) And I think it's the same thing where it's like looking into the declutter, it gets like, start with things that you can, that you know, you are capable of doing, right? I think for a long time, I would always look at all my stuff or like if, and it's like, you know, it comes in waves and be like, I simply cannot do this because I feel like I have to get it done in one day. And that's not, that doesn't make sense. Like it, you're not, I'm not going to get. It's a journey. It's a process. Now, in terms of throwing things away, (laughs) I know the Marie Kondo method, right? You like hold something and figure out if it brings you joy but I have a really hard time throwing things away. One of the workarounds our group of friends has figured out is we'll do clothing swaps like every six months and everyone brings all their clothes and then we just trade and everything. And so, you know, even if you gave something away and then you need it or you want it back, it's out there somewhere. One of our friends has it. So I like, I never, that has never happened. I've never actually needed a piece of the clothing back, but I know that it's out there somewhere. And it makes it easier for me to give things away. How do you approach throwing things away or giving things away? Yeah, I I don't live my life the minimalist way, I guess. Um, so that whole Marie Kondo method, that's not for me. And that's not really what I 
what I try and talk to my clients about, because I don't think that you should only have like a number set of things. I think that it's just learning to live more simply and what feels good for you. Um, and throwing things away. I donate as much as I can, anything, any piece of clothing that is still in good condition. I don't actually have a bag right here, right now of all maternity clothes. I am <laughs> donating. <laughs> you have a bag of clothes too? I have yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I have, um, more, to, I have like more to give away. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a really good thing because you're getting yes. rid of a lot. You just got to follow through with actually getting to the donation center. That's yes. the tricky part sometimes I'm too. Yeah, Sarah, it's funny. I'm glad you asked this question because I was thinking I don't have as much of a problem anymore of like buying things. Like I've gotten a lot better at telling myself, like, you don't need that right now. You don't need that today. It's the like, it's the stuff that I already have that's causing this. So I, I like, I'm glad to hear about this because I think that Marie Kondo, I, I love the idea of it. Like, I love the like, oh, does it spark joy? And I think that for certain things, like I might be able to ask myself that, but I think Sarah, you make a great point. <laughs> um, and I, I agree with that whole, does it spark joy thing a little bit where like you look at a piece of clothing and is like, is this like a meh to you? Or is this like a, yeah, I loved when I wore this and maybe you haven't because it's been COVID, but you know, as soon as like you can get to a, a lunch meeting or whatever, you're going to wear it again. So I, it's big, it's gotten easier for me over time because I now know how it feels to purge. So it, I think it gets easier as you go too, because you start to feel those feelings and you'll just be like, throw everything in the bag. I'm done. But I, I guess as far as like, is the, I look at it as like, this is going to a woman who cannot afford what I can afford. And this is going to a family who really needs it. And they're going to wear it with pride or they're going to play with it and be so grateful for what they have. Um, and so a lot of it is being grateful for what you have in this moment right now and understanding and accepting that others out there don't have what you have and you could literally light up their world by giving it to them. I do remember when I was in high school, we didn't have a lot, but my cross country coach had a daughter who was like in her twenties and she was young and hip and he would bring me all her clothes. And he's like, listen, I'm going to throw these away if you want them. And like, now I realize, wow, what a nice guy. He knew what he was doing. But at the time I would just relish all this stuff that belonged to this cool, like 20 year old girl. And it felt so good to have access to it. And if I could give that gift to someone else, like, you know, that feels better than even me hanging on to a bunch of junk or going out and buying more stuff I don't need. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you have the time and wherewithal to like sell them for some extra money, absolutely. There's like the Facebook groups, the Poshmark, the, like the downside of that is most of us put it to, to the side and they, and they never get to it. So that's why I prefer donating over making time. I'm curious. So you do a lot of work with like decluttering and the benefits of that, right? Like health benefits and so on. And you also do a lot of work with motherhood and like finding, kind of finding your way as a mother. Can I ask like, which one, where, where do you like land first when you kind of got into the, like the coaching? The, the first aspect of my, um, my work was all purpose driven, like helping women figure out you know, find who they want to be, find what they want to do with their lives. I, you know, I've worked with women who have started from, you know, working as a waitress to now they're an e-commerce business owner. 
things like that. And I love it. I love it so much because I love taking them from zero to, I am just so enjoying this like entrepreneurial life. Um, but then there was a lot of, it was all moms that were asking me all these questions. And because I was relatable in that sense, whereas there's a lot of coaches who don't talk about parenthood or aren't moms at all. So motherhood kind of came to me in that way where I was like, oh, there's a lot of moms who need this more than anything else. Because a lot of times after you have kids, you feel like you've completely lost yourself. I mean, society, the society that we're in puts women last. So it's like, take care of your kids, give them more, put, don't take care of your own needs, like more, 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 put them in all the extracurricular activities. Your needs don't matter. And it just leads to burnout and guilt and overwhelm. And women don't want to talk about it. They don't want to feel like they're complaining about being a mom. So a lot of that work spiraled into helping them reclaim who they were before kids because it is totally safe and okay to do so. And I I believe that if you put yourself first, then everyone else will be happier because you'll be a happier person and you're you're not pouring from an empty cup anymore. So I, I got wrapped up into it that way, but obviously I'm passionate about it because I am a mom and I have been there before. And then that spiraled into the decluttering piece out, out of talking with women about, you know, cleaning up their homes to make themselves feel better. And they wanted more information on that and more and more and more. So it's funny that I ended up here because I wasn't looking for <laughs> this um, teaching, I guess, but this is what women need right now. This is what they need to hear. I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye lately. There's a new season and Jonathan Van Ness is always saying just that, like, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't give a hundred percent to the kids that you're teaching or your family or your partner. And so I really appreciate you putting that into words. Uh, I also, Zoom is telling me we have about six minutes before we get timed out. Is there anything else that you want the city of Worcester to know, our local community, uh, any advice or just parting words that you haven't had a chance to share yet. And you can like plug oh. your stuff too. So like let people know where they can find your podcast. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Sure. Um, I think that just leaving the note that being intentional with your time is really important because that's how you're going to be intentional at the end of your life. And I, I know that I don't want to get to the end of my life and wish that I did things differently. I want to be present here with my kids. I want to enjoy traveling. I want to enjoy everything that I'm doing in work. It's not just about paying the bills and then retiring and then dying. Like that is not what life is supposed to be about. So leaning into those gut feelings, following your intuitions and learning how to be and live intentionally. I think that's the the biggest message that I want to get out there all encompassing, I guess. Um, but people can find me. Thank you. Um, at my website, adrianakeith.com. Um, my online course is going to be relaunching, reopening uh, January 18th. And I'm also hosting some workshops on decluttering your life and home throughout the month of January as well. So they can find all that on my website. And then I'm on Instagram, Audrey, A-D-R-I Keith. Perfect. And we'll link to all of that with the episode and on our website as well. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. I have been Sarah. I appreciate this, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have been Molly. And this is Pop It. 10 tips to declutter your home and your life in 2022. 
When my husband and I purchased our first home, I developed an irrational fear that we would never have enough possessions to keep the place from feeling empty. I was so wrong. Just as Parkinson's law proclaims, work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion, so too does junk multiply to fill the size of the space. I have a really hard time throwing things away, a trait inherited from a host of family members who have achieved amateur hoarding status. Hoarding is typically associated with an indecisive personality or a tragic loss. Mostly, I blame the little voice in my head that says, but what if you need this later? The result is a closet full of going out dresses I haven't worn in years and a desk drawer jammed with old tasting menus and birthday cards. Central Mass Life Coach Adriana Keefe helps women like me declutter their lives. Keefe's work is purpose-driven, meaning she aims to determine what lights her clients up and align those interests with their practical lives. She prides herself in breaking down mental roadblocks and clearing out the physical ones. Keefe is not here to feed into New Year, New Me resolutions or hashtags. She wants to help you find lasting change. Here are 10 tips for decluttering your home and your life in 2022. Number one, start by asking yourself, how do I feel when I walk into my house? If you're overwhelmed by dirty dishes or resentful of your kids' toys, try to name and acknowledge those emotions and then envision how you want to feel in a particular space instead. Do you want your bathroom to feel like a clean and refreshing retreat? Remind your body and your brain of that feeling. Your brain can help you to experience the sensations of an old memory almost as clearly as if they were happening. So channel those feelings and then recreate them. Number two, unless you're someone who starts and finishes tasks in one sitting without giving up, don't dump out everything in the middle of the room. Set a time frame and mark it on your calendar. Five to ten minutes a day adds up. Start small with the bathroom by clearing out one drawer at a time. When that room is complete, move on. Reward yourself for the little wins along the way. And when you feel good, it keeps the momentum going. Number three, accountability is key. Whether it's to yourself or someone else, find an accountability buddy who is willing to undergo a similar life change and check in with one another daily or weekly. Number four, cultivate a growth mindset. If you grew up in a family that was clutter-filled, you will likely feel an odd sense of comfort in chaotic environments. Remember, clutter leads to depression and burnout, particularly in women. Encourage your children to partake in routine decluttering sessions alongside you to break the cycle. Number five, change the gift-giving expectations for your family. Ask people to gift your kids experiences rather than toys. The influx of stuff is constant when you have kids. Find new ways to preserve sentimental items. Make a folder in your phone for pictures of your children's artwork rather than saving a mountain of finger paintings on the fridge. Number six, consumerism is an addiction. Beware of Marshalls and TJ Maxx or whatever your brand of kryptonite might be. You don't need to avoid them altogether, but take a basket instead of a cart. Number seven. When you make a purchase, consider the present moment. Ask yourself, is this me right now or is this the me I want to become? 
For example, if you buy a Peloton with a million accessories and 10 pairs of Lululemon bike shorts, but then you try it once and realize you hate cycling, you're going to be left with nothing but clutter. Don't buy things in hopes of achieving personal growth. Adopt a new set of healthy behaviors first and then make the appropriate purchases. Number eight, decluttering is not the same as Marie Kondo's minimalism. I don't think you should limit yourself to a predetermined number of things. I think you should learn to live simply in a way that feels good to you, explained Keefe. Number nine, society puts women last. Choosing to take care of ourselves can often lead to guilt. Many women feel shame when they complain about the difficulties of being a mom. Remember, if you put yourself first, then everyone else will be happier because you are happier and you're no longer pouring from an empty cup. And number 10, be intentional with your time. I don't want to get to the end of my life and wish that I had done anything differently with my job or my kids, shared Keith. Lean into gut feelings and intuitions when it comes to living intentionally. We all know what it's like to sit down at a workplace that is so messy it practically repels productivity. Imagine living in that feeling day in and day out, said Keefe. Now think about the post-cleaning moment when you feel like you can breathe. That is your future. You can learn more about Adriana Keefe at adrianakeefe.com or tune into her show, Women Who Want More, wherever you get your podcasts.